All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo and joined by James McMahon today. This is but a starter essentially before the main course on Tuesday. There are Monday night fixtures in the SSE Artistry League Premier Division, which we'll be reacting to in full when we're joined by Lisa Fallon and James O'Toole tomorrow. But uh, for today, we're going to be looking back at the Friday night games, which included Derry City's big win over Shamrock Rovers. And also, we are going to talk about uh, something, James, that will henceforth be known as the Queeveen Cup Final or Queeveen Kelher Cup Final, to give it its full name. So Liverpool played Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, Jim. Um, I presume you were, you caught a bit of it anyway, because there was, it, there was only one I show did, in town. Yeah. There was only one show in yeah. town, and that was the goalkeeper. That's very much uh, true, Raf. I mean, they talk about the Queeveen Kelleher Cup final. He's now can be spoken about maybe in the annals of Stanley Matthews, who was uh, talking about the, 19, <laughs> the 1953 Cup final. Yeah, I mean, Queeveen during the 120 plus minutes of yesterday's final produced about three or four very telling saves that kept, because in truth, I mean, Chelsea had by, well, not by far, but Chelsea had the greater of the chances at Wembley yesterday and perhaps should have won the game. But uh, Queeving displayed his usual unflappability, his coolness, his calmness, uh, good with his feet, good uh, with this obviously playing out the ball um, with his feet, uh, good distribution and all that. Uh, And then it came to the penalties. He got close to a couple of them. But yeah, there was have... um, there was the one on. I think it was uh, Alonso's penalty, the first one, and then there was Reese James. He was on the yeah. right side for, and then Timo Werner as well. He got very close to, but um, again, like I think it was also helped the fact that the Chelsea goalkeeper didn't save any of his either. Kepa, who was kind of uh, brought in last minute uh, for the shootout uh, when Mendy yeah. was taken off. Yeah, that's right, and. And then when it came to Queeving taking his kick, I mean, he dispatched it with great authority, no doubts. Whereas when Kepa came up to take his kick, it was like he was taking a kick out. Or, you know, he was like he was belting the ball up the field. So yeah, went, taking, his, taking his points. Sky is, yeah, take your points. Well, they say in, in the other code that you take your points and the goals will come, but uh, it, it, didn't, <laughs> it, it didn't work like that for Kepa yesterday. So look, I mean, for Queeving, look, He's made his debut for, for Liverpool back in September 2019. He's played 17 times for them. He's been on the winning team 13 on 13 occasions. And just to go back through his career, I mean, I'm sure you remember that five-all League Cup game with Arsenal. Yeah, I do. The, the 30th of October 2019. Um, and look, there was five. He conceded five goals that night. Perhaps there were two of them that he could have stopped. But then, but he also saved the, one of the, he saved a penalty in the shootout. Uh, so and therefore, like I mean, he's really got his taste of it all. I mean, he has a Champions League medal. He's played in the Champions League. Uh, he's played in the in the Premier League. He's played in the League Cup. I assume he's going to play on Wednesday night in the FA Cup match against Norwich, which You'd is a so, fair yeah. chance. Yeah, which there's a fair chance that Liverpool will win. That moves them on to a quarter final. So there's a chance that, you know, who knows, maybe Cuevin might be back at Wembley again come May for the FA Cup final. So, look, I mean, look, it's quite telling as well in the week that his manager, and he's been ringing the plaudits about uh, Cuevin over the, over the last 24 hours, but he did hint last week, Klopp, that maybe Cuevin may not be at the club 
forever. I mean, there's there's a fair possibility that if Cuevin's graph rises and rises and rises, that some club is going to come in for him. You know what I mean? Or is he a player that wants to stay at Liverpool and be the number two to whom Klopp thinks is the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment uh, in Alisson? Yeah, you'd like to think that Keller would be slightly selfish, though, uh, from an Irish perspective, and should solely from a, from a perspective on this on this island, uh, because again, like playing for Liverpool, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people grow up dreaming of playing for them, but at the end of the day, you know, he's he's battling with Gavin Bazunu for the Ireland number one jersey. Bazunu has the advantage; he's off on loan at Portsmouth, where he's getting games all the time, mm. and that's not necessarily the reason why he's been made number one. I think, if I recall correctly, Keller had an, an injury when Bazunu right, uh, yeah. when Bazunu got his uh, got his debut. But from Keller's point of view, he needs games. Like he's had a lot of cameos now for Liverpool; he's proven himself, as we saw mm. yesterday. And yesterday, as you said, he has a Champions League medal. But yesterday is different in that he was actually involved, which is completely different from when he was the number three back in 2019 so from our perspective even if it's a loan deal just to show what he can do week in week out it can only help That's him develop right. better because he's going to be moving into the prime of his career in the next few years and it will be a shame because given Allison is not that old you know Allison is uh Allison is at the peak of his career he's got a number of years left so for Kelleher Kelleher could realistically be sitting there as number two for the next five years and what good is that going to do yeah, in terms of Ireland, I mean, it begs the question, I suppose, look, people go back to, you know, like when Ray Clemens and Peter Shilton were vying for the England jersey, or like, I mean, who's the better commentator, Barry Davis or John Matson? In If you were to compare Gavin and Queeving, like, and people will ask that question, well, who is the better goalkeeper? I mean, it's, I suppose it's very, very hard to say, uh, because if you look at the save that uh, Gavin made against Luxembourg, I mean, back in back last November. I mean, that shows you the agility that he has. And we also should remember as well that on Saturday last for we have a certain Mr. Mark Travers as well for Bournemouth doing the Who had a very good game at the weekend game all accounts, yeah. Against Stoke. And the likelihood is that Bournemouth that they could be in the top flight next season. So like we could have two players playing in the top flight next season, but yet Ireland's number one goalkeeper as things stand is playing in the third tier. Um, yeah, and the thirty reports, but yeah, yeah, you know. So, and there's probably no. I mean, will Gavin ever get back to Man City? I mean, they their number one isn't probably going to go anywhere soon. You know, isn't going anywhere soon. So, um, look, I mean, it's been a great day for uh, or a great last two and a bit years for Queeving, as as you say, but great cameos for him. But we would like to see him playing football week in, week out, and. The chances are that that probably will not be at Liverpool in the short term, anyways. Yeah, a loan, again, a loan deal similar to what Gavin Bazunu has done would probably do him the world of good, especially, but not in the third tier. I think his no. level is much higher than that. And whether it could be on the continent as well, there's a lot of, you know, there's a the movement of players now, especially Irish players elsewhere. It doesn't have to necessarily be in the Premier League, and he can still thrive. So we'll see how that goes. But it was, um, you know, it was. <laughs> We knew we'd be talking about Queeveen today, but it helped. It was very helpful that it ended mm. up being that the narrative ended up being it going to penalties and him taking what essentially was the winning kick. Even though I think he said in the Sky Sports interview, I don't think he realised uh, yeah, what, right, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. what the the setup was. But it was a great kick. It's just unfortunate we have so many good goalkeepers at the moment. Um, from an Irish perspective, yeah. you'd. You'd think maybe um, if he'd, I think he used to play up front, I think, for Ringman, didn't he? So he did, yeah. yeah. He played up front. Um, 
also as well, I mean, would there be a possibility that he could start the game against Belgium? friendly at the it's, end of March. If, given given it's a friendly, I would imagine there's a good chance he will start one of those two games. Um, I think Gavin Bazuna will probably be given one of them as well. But again, I don't know which one. There's Lithuania there, of course, but it could be it could be an either or. Um, yeah. but we'll, we'll we'll see. We're still we're still about uh, was it three three or three, four weeks away. Three weeks uh, three weeks from next Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So that I think brings us to an end for uh, the slight international focus because there was mm-hmm. a lot of domestic soccer on on Friday night, and just to run through the results: Derry City two, Shamrock Rovers one, which was on RTE two and RTE player, and probably the biggest game of the weekend: um, UCD nil, Finn Harps nil, um, St Pat's one, Sligo Rovers two. I think that one probably caught your eye, I would imagine. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect uh, I didn't expect Sligo maybe to come out on top in that one. Um, Pats Pats on the back of a three 0 win over um, Shells, uh, but Sligo, by all accounts, played really really well. And their number nine, Aidan Keena, former Pats man, played really really well. Not just as a front man, but as, as a man also who could come deep for the ball. And uh, at the end of it all, I think it was a deserved win for Sligo. Pats did get one back, what, 82 minutes, so, and they had a chance to level it up near the yeah. end. But um, again, a packed house, a packed house at Intercore for that game. Uh, Sligo, Sligo will be happy. Um, I still think the, they might, it might be a bit of push for them to get European football. I think it's a little bit more competitive up at the top end of the table. And they have to head to Derry tonight. We'll be, we'll be talking about that tomorrow. But uh, certainly a really, really good start. And a, a pity that they didn't get to play their opening game against Bohemians because maybe there's a chance that they could be sitting pretty at the top of the table on six points at this stage, you know. So, but uh, yeah. good outcome for Sligo. And their signings did well as well. They had four new players and by all accounts, they kind of seamlessly fitted into the system there on Friday evening. Um, so, and... Owen Doyle perhaps was somewhat quiet, you know, for Pats at the other number nine. So, um, yeah, look, good start. And uh, if it, hopefully it will continue, uh, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, you mentioned Derry there. We'll talk about them in a, in a second. We've got a bit of a post-match reaction. Um, they were, uh, the manager, Rory Higgins, was speaking to Tony O'Donoghue, as was Captain Ronan Finn. But before that, Drada United, nil, Shelburne two, which is a, Big win for Damien Duff, uh, especially after how the first week went. And then Bohemians 2, Dundalk 2, which you were at, I know, but we'll we'll come to that very shortly. And then the first division, mm-hmm. Waterford 1, Bray nil. So Waterford continued their good start. Cove 2, Wexford 3, Cork City 0, Galway 1. We'll come to that game um, and just the aftermath a little bit later on. But first, Terry City, Shamrock Rovers 2-1 win for... Derry will patching penalty, Dylan Watts with a free kick to level it, but then Jamie McGonagall with a late, late winner. So first off, we're going to listen to Rory Higgins and Ronan Finn. A great win for us um, in front of a packed house as well. So uh, hopefully it entices them to come back. Jamie McGonagall, what a way to win a match. He's an outstanding footballer and, and, and um, the beauty about that one is that with the likes of Rovers and all, all the bigger clubs in the south that because he was playing in the Irish League, he probably went under the radar. I, I played with him um, a few years ago and, and knew what he was capable of, but physically he's turned himself into a real professional footballer and, and, and we're seeing the fruits of it now. The first goal, was that off the training ground? It was, yeah. Well, congratulations. Well, I mean, the, when, when, when they work, they're great. When they don't, you, you, you look like a... 
you know what I mean. But um, no, it was off the training ground. We won our penalty and Will Patching puts it away well and then it's a blame uh, second goal they won the game. So what does that mean for the season? It means nothing. It means we've four points uh, from a possible six and uh, we've got Sligo now on Monday and, and we want to try and capitalise on that. Best of luck to you. Thank you very much. Think you deserved a point tonight? I think, yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think um, coming up to Derry, um, tough, uh, difficult conditions, so late in the game, you know, you're taking your point all day and you're going back down the road, quite happy to prepare for draw day. Now we've got to pick ourselves up and get ready for uh, Monday night. It was sloppy though from Rovers, wasn't it? It wasn't vintage, but I think you look at the conditions, um, obviously the crowd here, um, but you're right, we've got to take that, we've got to um, improve, because we know there's a target on our back, uh, obviously, playing for Shamrock Rovers, that's natural. Being league champions, even more so. So we've got to, um, you know, we've got to be ready for Monday. Thanks, Roman. Thank you. All right, Jim. So that was uh, Shamrock Rovers captain Ronan Finn, and before that, Derry City manager uh, Rory Higgins, kind of summing up their thoughts on the game. I suppose from a Shamrock Rovers perspective, they're still expected to go on and with the depth they have in the squad to go on and win this mm-hmm. uh, league title not necessarily as handily as they did last last season but the way from the way Finn was speaking there um he doesn't seem overly perturbed or maybe that's just the sort of uh, impression he's giving yeah well i suppose two games in i mean i'm just thinking like Shamrock Rovers last season particularly in the first half of last season where they were the kings of the late late goals but they were they got one on them on Friday evening. Yeah, I, I perhaps, I mean, I they're perhaps not quite flowing yet. I mean, it's only two games in. Uh, you know, I don't think they were overly impressive beating UCD on the opening night. And yeah, I thought they, from the highlights I've seen, you know, maybe not as fluent. Some of the passing was a little bit sloppy. And then, of course, Lopez making the mistake. I mean, last month we were talking about his exploits in the AFCON. But yeah, we were like, I mean, I was speaking to him as well just before he went, yeah. before he went away. Look, um, but obviously, he's he's still getting back into into gear as yeah. well because uh, obviously he was away for he was away on another continent uh, playing in a competition. But uh, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, but I mean, the winning goal for Derry. I mean, it was so well taken because he had he had quite a bit to do even after the that slack pass, and he it really was a coon finish. You know what I mean? And Look, there was a full house there at the Brandywell, and I know there was a, people running onto the pitch and all that. But I mean, Derry is a, Derry's a, is football. I mean, they're football mad up there in in Derry. And like you're talking about pressure as well on people. I'd say there's a little. I'd say this year with all the finance and all the backing that Derry have got, there probably is you know that added pressure on Rory Higgins, you know, to at least challenge hard for the title and at least be playing European football. And for them maybe to jump a couple of rounds in the conference league when they play in Europe uh, during during the summer. So Yeah, um, you know. there was a bit of a sense, because the way I framed the question when we were doing the preview um, kind of last week was whether this Shamrock Rovers game had come a little bit too early for Derry City. Clearly, as we saw, it hadn't. They were able to put it up to them and then also get the mm-hmm. winner. Um if they can build on it, and they're playing um, Sligo tonight, which uh, makes, as you said, which makes it a, uh, which makes it very, very exciting. Um, and also as well, Raph, I mean, they played Dundalk in their opening game, you know, yeah. at Oriel Park. 
and we're probably disappointed not to get the three points in that game. So, so they too could be sitting pretty at the top of the table. And they'll probably, with home advantage, fancy themselves against Sligo tonight. I mean, I thought from the bits I saw of the game, I mean, I thought Brendan Kavanagh was very good, you know, really lively. And, and also thought Will Patching stood out as well. For yeah, the and they still like, have Michael Duffy to come back. Patrick McElhenney only came on. McElhenney, as well, yeah, as well, like, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think Derry... Derry have reasons to be cheerful, you know. Yeah. So do you see them as sort of a little bit ahead of schedule? Because I think there was a sense that this was the way Rory Higgins has been speaking. It's going to be a, you know, a slow building process. They've looked out Rovers slow or Shamrock Rovers slowly built over time um, Mm. into this sort of machine. So if they've started well, obviously there's going to be ups and downs as the season goes on. But um, it, it seems that they're sort of where they want to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we and maybe not. I we probably don't see them as league winners at the end of the year. But I mean, it it was only a couple of seasons ago that Derry that Derry were really really struggling. So uh, I I would have them top three, definitely top three if come the yeah. end. You know? um, yeah. So Shamrock Rovers will be playing Drada tonight, and then as we said, Derry playing Sligo, um, who we did uh, talk about there, and probably just uh, to give a bit of clarity to people, you are from Sligo, which yeah, is why, I, why I, I stopped at that yeah, point. No, but I try to be. I, I always try to be. You know, try to be fair, and like obviously people have their teams and and all that. And I did say, it, you know, whilst I have my doubts as to whether Sligo can make the top four, but from what I saw, just to rehash or to go back, from what they showed on Friday night, maybe that assessment may not bear fruit uh, come, <laughs> come the end of the season. So, so you're saying they're going to win the title? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, 10 years, I mean, 10 years after they, 10 years, I mean, Liverpool won the Carabao Cup 10 years after last winning it. Why can't Sligo win the league 10 years after they last won it? So. We'll see. There's there's the headline in the cliff um, that we're going to put there <laughs> later on. But uh, yeah, anyway, I'm I'm a pure neutral as a Leitrim man. I'm sort of between Sligo Rovers, Longford Town. So I never, I was never, I always had a foot in different camps. And so for this podcast, I I don't know maybe I've, I'm I'm a perfect yeah. vantage point here. But um, yeah. as we said, Damien Duff, um, big win, um, Shelburne, winning two 0 at Drada United. Um, We'll talk a little bit about Drogheda very shortly. So Daniel Hawkins and Mark Coyle with the goals at either end of the second half. Uh, there was obvious obvious hype when um, Shelburne were about to play St. Pat's and it didn't quite work out. They played on the front foot, but they kept getting caught by Pat's last time mm-hmm. out. So um, it would have been a worry for, for Duff had... Had it gone on, had they gone maybe on a run without winning or waiting for a first win? So to get that out of the way and yeah, like, do it I mean, comfortably enough is good for them. Yeah, like I mean, second game in. Yeah, like I mean, after being beaten three 0 first time out. But uh, I think they were good value for the win. I think Drogheda were somewhat disappointing. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I know they did hand a couple of debuts to I think four players and it was their first game of the season uh, but still though and of course draw to have to, they have to go to Shamrock Rovers tonight but yeah I mean for Duff I mean again like I mean you're talking there's lots of eyes and ears on Duff and also as well Shell getting extra backing that we heard there last week and the prospect of them you know with Talca Park re- being redeveloped and all that so yeah look um Shells, I, I thought against Pats showed some patches of good football, but they also showed their naivety as well. So look, look, I mean, for Damien Duff, I, I, it's going to be an interesting journey. Uh, I'm sure Damien will have plenty of good sound bites for us uh, people, uh, for 
for us scribes in the media and all that. So yeah, so we'll we'll watch their progress quite closely. Yeah, as we saw also on Friday night, UCD and Finn Harps drew nil nil. Now UCD had lost their opening game three nil. Shamrock Rovers not unexpected, and Finn Harps because of the stormy conditions yeah. um, up in Valley Buffet um, the previous weekend didn't play. But so this is the first time we were seeing them. They seemed to have the better of the game. They were more direct. UCD technically very good as usually UCD teams are. Uh, uh, and yeah. Lark- yeah, and goalkeeper Larkin Healy um, very busy. But this isn't a result given where we expect these two teams to be as the season wears on. It's not exactly a good result for either. Um, what you, Depending on which side you're on, you're looking for in what is, it's very early to be calling that a relegation six-pointer. Oh, yeah, it is. Realistic yeah, it could yeah. be. So you'd be looking yeah, to I, get some sort of advantage head-to-head. Yeah, like, I mean, I think I, either of those teams would have wanted the three points on Friday night. I mean, the students apparently played some nice touch football, but didn't really threaten much up at the danger area. Uh, Harps had the better chances. And I think the students keeper was the busier of, of the two. Um, look, I mean, Ollie Horgan, like if you talk about Harps, what they're three, four years back in the back in the top flight, they have they have one of the most shrewdest managers in the league. Uh, I think he's a very clever, astute man. Uh, he's bought, it'd be interesting to see from all the players that he's bought in from abroad. How, how they're going to get on. But, uh, I, you know, I, I'd still, I'd come the end of it all, you know, I'd still be confident that Harps will have enough about them to be able to stay up, you know, like to keep afloat, you know what I mean? Yeah, because they're going to be, it's going to be UCD and probably Drada in and around them. So it's Pippin one yeah. trying to make a yeah. relegation playoff maybe. But um, yeah. we'll see We'll see how that one plays out. Um, obviously, as the week goes on, we'll read out the, the fixture, tonight's fixtures in relation to UC very shortly. But before that, you were at um, Bohemians uh, Dundalk on Friday night. And uh, this yeah. is the first time we're seeing Bowes. And we had seen Dundalk, who had also had a 2-2 draw the week before against Derry City. So... There seems to be defensive concerns there. Like they've Dundalk have started reasonably well, but it's two draws, um, two high scoring draws. Two high scoring draws. And I'd say, Raf, probably defensive concerns for both teams on Friday night. I mean, Bose went, I mean, Bose conceded two goals that were, you know, that they could that could have been avoided, you know, kind of no marking in the in the box, free headers and all that. And I also thought what was noticeable in the last half an hour of the game, Dundalk really got a grip on things. They really got a grip on things in midfield. I thought their passing was a lot crisper and sharper. And at the end of it all, I I think they would have been disappointed that they didn't take the full three points from the game. But um, I I mean, the build-up between Twardek and Promise for the first Bowes goal was excellent. Lovely finish. Lovely, you know... Uh, sweet finish by Promise. I think he got a bit of a deflection. So uh, Bose again, a bit like Sligo, you know, obviously they've been in Europe for the last couple of seasons. You, you kind of wonder where where they're going to be, you know what I mean? Are we looking at maybe Derry, Pats, Shamrock Rovers 3 and maybe Dundalk possibly? And we're just wondering where Bose are going to fit into it. But from, the, from what I saw on Friday night, I, I, I think Dundalk, uh, who were you know, who took a while to get into the game, 
but they certainly finished the game very, very strongly. And I thought, phys- I thought they were physically more imposing in that last half an hour as well. So, uh, but a really enjoyable game uh, at Bowes, full house. Uh, I, was told, I was told the curry chips are nicer than ever um, at Daily Mount. So uh, yeah, it was a good game, good, good game to see in the flesh uh, in front of a full house in what over two years or close to two years, but um, yeah, I think yeah. I think Daily Mount, other than Richmond Park, I think Daily Mount is probably the only chip van I haven't really gone near yet, or haven't had the opportunity to walk all the way down uh, to get. I would have always yeah. recommended the UCD and Bray ones were always quite handy uh, when yeah, I was covering I, games on a Friday. Yeah, I, I can't. I'm also amused. You know, whilst people. It's the amount of people that go down during the game. I mean, do do they not come to watch the game? I'm, I'm often amazed as well when I'm at the Aviva or other venues, the amount of people that get up. I know some people, you have to go to the toilet, you make whatever, but are walking around. And Hold on a minute. There's there's a game. You paid money to come in to watch this. You know what I mean? You know, it's 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 often, I'm often quite surprised by that. But anyways, I'm sure the people at the vending, at the... Curry shop aren't aren't too happy, aren't too unhappy. I should say, you know what I mean. So yeah, well, I'll uh, if I'm back uh, when I'm, once I'm back at games, I'll uh, I'll give it a little tour and test out uh, yeah. all these different all these different vans and see uh, see what the quality is like. Um, before we go, so the uh, the first division, so good start for Galway United, winning one nil at Cork City. Um, Cork had started really well, um, well previously, yeah. um, beating Bray six nil. So. It's a little setback, but then Galway are expected to be in and around the, um, the promotion chase as well. Now, the only thing with Cork, uh, Colin Healy is temporarily, or the manager, he's te- um, temporarily stepping away, yeah. which is going to lead to, I suppose, interesting times until his return. That's right, yeah. Like, I mean, Cork would be Cork would be one of the teams fancied to uh, be in the mix for the automatic promotion spot, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, but... Also, as well, on Friday night at Turner's Cross, I think a crowd of 5,000 down there. Yeah, it was a, a huge crowd for that game, yeah. You know what I mean? That should show you. But by all accounts, Galway, I think, deserved the win. And uh, also a good win a good win for Waterford as well, who'd also be expected to be... Uh, yeah, I think from, from, from the way um, Carl Shepard and Gary Rogers were speaking on the podcast last week, it's mm. really it's Waterford are the favourites to go straight up. And then it's sort of Cork City and Galway probably are, are next. And mm. then potentially, we, we haven't seen Longford Town yet. Like They had a bye this week and also they, right. their first game was called first off. Game was- so we don't know, we don't really know um, where they're at. So it would be interesting to see how that kind of shapes up. But it's yeah. a good start for Galway in, in a head-to-head like that. That's right. And and I'd say as well, Raph, I mean, for John Caulfield, you know, there will there will be that pressure on him this season, you know, to do the business because I think most fans of Galway would have been disappointed when they lost, I think it was to Bray in the playoff last season. I mean, we people would have expected Galway to get to at least get to the playoff final, you know what I mean, which they didn't, which they didn't do. So like, I mean, and Galway have a huge, again, you know, there's huge interest there. I'm sure crowds, you know, you know, they have they have a, they have a good fan base. You know, getting three, four thousand to their games as well. And I, I think a club like Galway and like Waterford. I know we've spoken about this before, and it's nothing against any sort of teams around the East Coast. But I mean, it would be good to have spread of obviously a spread of teams right around the country. You know, in the top flight as well. You yeah, know, because I think so. um, Connor Neville was on this podcast about two or three weeks ago. But he was um, he made he did make the astute point that Longford, his own home, um, 
his own home county are I think the most northernmost team in the first division this year. Whereas the the way the Premier Division is shaped up, there is a clutch of teams up in the kind of north general northwest no, area. West, yeah. Uh, like you have the du- you have the the clubs around Dublin, then you have the two um, in Louth, Louth, and that and that's mm-hmm. essentially it. And then the first division is sort of like a monster, monster kind of Connacht kind of thing uh, with Louth right, yeah. as well. Yeah. Just one other thing, Raf. Uh, just before we go, I know uh, like. There's a 36-game season in the Premier Division and it's between now and November the 4th, I think, to play games. And obviously there's international breaks uh, that there will not be any games on. But I just think in terms of having Monday night fixtures, maybe it might have been better to wait a few weeks to have those fixtures, you know, to, just to get for, for teams to get up and running and, and all that. I, I think playing maybe three days after, so early in the season, after Friday night, you know, it, it's, it might be you know, might be unfair on some teams. I would have rathered maybe, let's say, Easter Easter Monday or a couple of the bank holidays, those Mondays to have games on. But look, it's only a small point. It's just my thinking on yeah. it. You know, well, it's something that I might put, we'll put to Lisa Fallon when she's on tomorrow because uh, from the coaching perspective, how do you deal with that very quick turnaround? And she'll obviously know from um, her experience working with different clubs yeah. how, how that kind of works. Because uh, it, it would be a challenge, especially... Uh, a League of Ireland level, um, especially yeah, for, for, the, for teams kind of lower down. Or, but no, but I was even reading what the Bowes assistant was saying, like, you know, after, you know, tough game, competitive game on Friday, having to kind of come back down, do a bit of work on Saturday, and then you're out again on Monday. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I just think maybe if you, if you had six or seven games played and then to have your first Monday fixture. But look, I don't make these... Decisions no, the the, the fixture the fixture gods write that so yeah uh, before we go yeah the fixtures that are on tonight UCD v Shells Dundalk v Finn Harps Bowles v Pats uh, Derry City v Sligo Rovers Shamrock Rovers versus Drada United um and we're going to be back tomorrow this I, I said this was a starter but it's quite substantial we're going to be back for the yeah, main course tomorrow uh, no with with Lisa Fallon and uh, James O'Toole is also coming back and we'll be looking ahead to the women's national league season and uh, uh, Sligo. Being, or Sligo Rovers being the 10th team there so I'm sure that's going to be that's of interest right. uh, for yourself uh, they're kind of joining so it has been a 19 yeah. league for the last while but moving up to 10 and then also we'll be reacting to the Monday night games uh, so Jim um, yeah, I'll let, I'll let that starter sink in and then we'll be back for the main course, uh, course tomorrow, tomorrow. And yeah, and maybe, hopefully... maybe a bit of dessert yeah, I, I think so. And uh, we are, should we have an aperitif? Should we go, I think we missed the aperitif, did we? Should we go for the Yeah, aperitif? I think I think I think we did. I think we did. Yeah, um, I think we did. We shouldn't have. But anyways, Raf, as always, a pleasure. All right. Thanks a million, Jim.